Amen. You guys, uh, you guys ever play the game Red Light, Green Light? Like, I grew up when we played those high-tech games, you know? You didn't need a controller or anything. You needed, you really, you needed at least three people. You needed one person to stand here and say, Red Light, Green Light. And you needed at least two people to compete. Now, if you're younger and you've never heard of games that could be played without a TV screen or a computer... Let me basically just give it to you like this, okay? You have two people on one end of a, of a backyard, one guy at the other. And when the game master says, green light, you run as hard and as fast as you can towards him. And when he says, red light, you got to stop. And so like you're, you hear green light, and you're just running, and you hear red light, and you're like, you know, trying to stop. And you got to freeze. And the first one to cross the finish line is the winner, Now, let me just tell you this. If you think that by listening real closely and by jogging so as to stop on a dime when they say red light, if that's your method of winning, you will never win. No. When when you hear green light, trust me, you got to go as hard and as fast as you can till you cross that finish line. And I am learning in life that... I often bring this red light, green light mentality into my relationship with Christ. It's like I'm going after God, you know, and and I've seen God as the game master. And he's just calling out red light, green light at random. Like, I don't have a clue what's coming. And so I'm like, did he say green? Oh, he said red. Wait, no, no. And I'm kind of doing this stutter step shuffle thing with the Lord. You ever, you ever kind of had that sort of relationship going on with Jesus? No, I'm all, I'm all alone. Okay, That's why I'm on the stage, all alone. But you know, because of this mentality where I'm like, I don't know if he's going to say red, green, I don't know what's coming. There have been times in my life where I've hesitated to step out to try to attempt something for God. Because I'm like, ooh, I don't know, is it red? Is it green? Does he want me to do this? Does he not want me to do this? Like, is this God? Is this me? Is this pizza? Is this the devil? I don't know. What's going on? But can I tell you something? What I'm learning more and more and more, the longer I walk with Jesus, the closer I get to him, more often than not, he's saying, green light, green light, green light. And I want to look at a couple areas today where the Lord is telling us it's a green light. You guys with me? Okay, so... First of all, if you're taking notes, let's just go right here. Point number one, God has given us the green light to go. The green light to go. Let me give you a couple scriptures here to to explain what I'm talking about. Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. The Bible says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given complete authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And if you want to, underline the word go and underline all the nations. All right? Go to all the nations. And then in verse 20, he says, uh, And teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Underline that phrase, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, jump with me to another passage of Scripture, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I'm already there because I've got the notes. 
But Acts 1.8, Jesus again is speaking to his disciples and he says this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Judea, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. And if you want to, underline this phrase, you know, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, even to the remotest parts of the earth. And an interesting thing here about this verse of Scripture, no matter what translation I looked up, the word first is never in there. Just a little side note. He doesn't say first go to Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria. He's saying all at the same time, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, whatever, find, whatever place you find yourself in, be my witnesses there. Now, what does this mean when it says God has given us the green light to go? Well, let me explain it like this. These two passages of Scripture, they answer the who question for you and I. The who question. Okay, yeah, I can tell. You guys don't know what I'm talking about when I say the who question. But let me explain it like this. The question of, like, well, Lord, who should I witness to today? The who question sometimes sounds like this, like, well, God, who, who, should, I, who should I pray for? Well, God, well, God who, who should I invite to church today? God, who, well, well, who should I go love on today? I'm not sure if it's that person or that person over there. Actually, God's already answered that question in, this, in these two passages of Scripture. He's saying, whoever you see in front of you. God's given you the green light. He's given me the green light to go to whoever I find in front of me and love on them in the name of Jesus. It, it answers this age-old question because I'm going to tell you something here. <laughs> the devil is never going to tell you to go tell someone about Jesus. So anytime you have this, like, anytime you find yourself saying, Lord, well, I wonder who, is, is Robert, am, am I supposed to go and talk to Robert about Jesus? Oh, no, that can't, that must be the devil. It's never going to be the devil telling you that. These two passages of scripture have answered the who question. Whoever you see, they need to know about Jesus. Wherever you go, you're in a place that God wants to use you to tell people about the love of Christ. Now, growing up, I grew up in church, and, and this thing kind of, it would make me nervous at times. You know, like, like I, I had this mentality, okay, I'm a Christian. I have to witness to people. And we do have to witness to people, but it's the way that I thought that I had to witness to people. So, you know, like as a, as a you know, junior high and high school, you know, I'd, I'd kind of be like, oh, okay, well, there's somebody to witness to, and I have to witness, I have to check this box today. And so, you know, like, hey, I mean, <clears throat> hey, do you know God? No, you don't? Oh, no. Oh. Oh. Do you want to go to hell when you die? Yeah, all my friends are going to be there. Oh, no, no. Uh. You know, I'm like, I'm all nervous, you know. And I'm thinking the Bible says I got to like make them disciples of all. So, so then you think like you got to do this, all of this, all in 30 seconds, you know. So you're like, hey, oh, oh, do you know Jesus and do you want the Holy Ghost and, and don't go to, and there's two judgments and no, and, I don't, and oh, I'm stupid, don't listen to me, you know. And you're, you're just like, please tell me I'm not the only one that's grown up in church that's botched it a number of times. 
I don't see any hands. I'm like, I must be strange. Okay. No, you're with me on this. Okay. (laughs) You know, one of the greatest revelations I got was when I realized I don't have to go and check off a notch on my belt like, yeah, another soul led to the Lord. When I realized all God wants me to do is just love people, wow, man, it totally changed the way I approached like witnessing. It totally changed the way that I approached going. Hey, man, what's going on? Nothing. Nothing? Well, I mean, obviously something, you know. You look down and out. Uh, you don't want to know. Well, if I didn't want to know, I wouldn't have asked. Okay, fine. You want to know? And they just spew all this stuff. Wow, man. You're, you're right. That's horrible. Could I pray for you? Because I, really I really think Jesus has more for you than that. Well, that's simple. Can I remind you of something? Jesus didn't use the Roman road when he witnessed wasn't even written yet. You know what I'm saying? So like, they're like, for all have sinned and fallen short. You know, you don't have to do that. You just got to love on people. You just got to love on people. So look, let me give you three quick points to remember from these two passages. Okay? Three quick points. Just remember this. Everyone needs to hear about Jesus. Would you agree? Everyone needs to hear about Jesus? It's simple. The next point is this. These two passages of scripture, they encourage us that God's given us the green light to go because it says this, point number two, Jesus is always with us as we step out to obey him. He said, surely I'm with you always. So don't let the devil get you to thinking, oh man, I'm going to step out and go and now I'm all on my own. You know, Jesus is not, he doesn't say, hey, Pastor Brandon, dude, I want you to go witness to Mark over there. Go talk to Mark. I'm with you, buddy. I'm with you. I'm with you. Go ahead. And then as soon as Pastor Brandon goes, Jesus was like, oh, sucker. You're on. He, he doesn't do that. The devil likes to tell us he does. The enemy likes to make us think that if we step out here, we're going to be all on our own and we won't have any backup and oh, forget about it. Jesus has promised us, I'm always going to be with you. You've got the green light to go to that person. You've got the green light to go here, to go there, and to love on people. And look, I'm with you. I'm going to back you up. Don't worry about it. The third point to remember from these two passages of Scripture is this. Remember that we will grow when we go. We'll grow when we go. Well, we'll, the, the, the wonderful thing about the Christian life is that we experience tremendous growing in the going. God doesn't, he doesn't take this attitude with you that, okay, look, well, you know what? I want you to sit on the front row of the church for five years under amazing teaching. Then you'll know how to just go tell somebody what I've done in your life. He says, no, go. Just go start telling people what Jesus has done. And you'll grow as you do that. I was talking with a buddy of mine uh, yesterday. He was telling me this, this funny story. I didn't think about getting his permission to use this because it just came to me now. Hope it's Okay. He'd been saved for about four months and, and uh, growing in the Lord. And he had a buddy from college that was just helping him, disciple him and everything like that. And he, he had this kind of one of this, these crisis moments in his life. And he called him up. He's like, oh, man, I need you to pray for me. Yeah, da, 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 da. 
you know. And, uh, and, his, and his, this guy that's walking him through it, he says, well, have you prayed about this stuff? Well, yeah, kind of, but ba 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 you know. But I need you, do 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 He said, no, 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 you don't need me. You need to go pray about it. Yeah, but, but, no, you need to go pray about it. He said, look, I can tell you've not prayed about these issues. So I'm going to hang up the phone and you're going to go pray. Click. Now, like any person, and especially any new Christian, he was like, what? And he's like hitting redial and calling him back, calling him back, calling him back, and was mad at him. Oh, I can't believe he would abandon me. And blah, 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 blah. But you know what happened? He said he called him out, called him back, called him back. He went and answered his phone calls. That was all Friday night, all day Saturday. Went to church Sunday. God started speaking to him at church Sunday. He went home Sunday afternoon, started getting into his prayer closet. And in going and doing what God really wanted him to do was get close to him in prayer, God started speaking to him. So when his buddy called him Sunday night and said, hey, how's it going? He said, you would not believe. And I can imagine the other guy's like, oh, I'd not believe, really? When he went and started doing what God asked him to do and wanted him to do, he actually grew. God didn't leave him all by himself. He was right there with him, and he grew him through that process. Think about this. Let me give you a great example of this out of Scripture. Okay? In Acts chapter 10, I'm not going to read the whole thing for you. I'm going to paraphrase what happens here. Peter, he's one of the apostles. He's walked with Jesus for three and a half years. He's seen incredible miracles. He's been used by God to preach a message where over 3,000 people get saved in a day. I mean, you would think the guy's got some experience and really kind of knows a thing or two about this. But you'll see if you read Acts chapter 10, Peter himself grows in the going. And what happens is Peter's praying one day and he gets this vision about food. And God's telling him to eat some food. And he tells him to do it three times. And Peter's like, nah, I don't want to eat that food. I'm a Jew. I never eat that food. Then all of a sudden people knock at the door. Because at the same time that Peter's been having these visions and stuff, there's another guy, he's a Roman centurion, he's been praying, God, I need someone to teach me about the gospel. I need someone to explain salvation to me because I want to be closer to you. Peter gets done with his vision, some representatives knock on the door and say, hey, so-and-so has asked you to come and preach to us, would you come? And Peter realizes this, and we'll read Peter's words in Acts chapter 10, verse 34. Look at how Peter is growing as he surrenders to the Holy Spirit telling him to go to these people. Acts 10, 34. Peter began to speak. He said, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but he accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. Do you see that? I now realize how true it is. Peter himself was growing in his understanding of Christianity. Whoa. You mean this thing isn't just for the Jewish nation? He, he, he grew. So then what happens is he actually goes to this Roman centurion's household, and the Roman centurion's got a whole house full of people that are eager to hear the gospel. So Peter starts to preach to these guys, and right there, I mean, they are believing every word that he's saying as he's preaching it, and the Holy Spirit falls on them. These people begin to, to, to pray in tongues. Peter's not even laid hands on them or talked to them about this. And again, Peter has another experience where he grows... Because he was going to these people. And look at his words in Acts 10.44. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon the Gentiles too. And there could be no doubt about it. 
For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, Can anyone object to their being baptized now that they've received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And afterward, Cornelius asked them to stay with them for several days. Peter learned that God loved the Gentiles just as much as the Jews. Peter realized that faith in God crossed all cultural barriers. And Peter grew in his confidence of the power of the gospel when he saw the Holy Spirit fall on these believers. Why? He grew because he was going where God told him to go. Can I tell you something today? God's given us the green light to go into downtown and love on people on Friday and Saturday nights. And God's given us the green light to go into Broussard, into all those oil field yards, and love on those people there. God's given us the green light to represent Him in Scott. He's given us the green light to reach Youngsville. He's given us the green light to just invade Acadiana with the love of God and go to everybody, whomsoever we can find in front of us, and love on them in the name of Jesus. So quit asking God, well, who is it? Who is it, God? It's everybody in front of you. The harvest fields are ripe. And God is just looking for laborers who will go. I want to be a laborer. Do you? Can I tell you something? God has given us the green light to go and be laborers in the harvest fields. All right, so we've got this green light to go. You tracking with me on that? All right, all right. Let's move on. This is a two-point message. We're doing good. We're on point number two. All right, we're doing really good here. Here we go, point number two. Now, let me rephrase, point number one, God's given us the green light to go. You got it, all right. Point number two, God has given us the green light to do. D-O, to do. God has given you and I the green light to do. All right, let me give you a couple scripture verses. First Peter chapter two, verse nine. Listen to this. It's just something, it's just, Ah, it won't leave me alone right now in this season I'm in. First Peter 2.9. The Bible says, You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased special people, that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And I can't get away from this phrase right here that you may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and the perfections of him who called you. Every time I read that, I see that as doing something. What am I doing? I'm displaying the goodness of God in my life. I'm displaying his virtues of love, of peace, of mercy, of joy, of forgiveness, of reconciliation. Every time that I step out to do something that would show someone that God's a reconciler, a forgiver, I'm displaying the virtues of God. And he's called you and I to do that. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. This is another verse that just messes me up, but I love it. I love it. Ephesians 2.10, look on the screen. It says that we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus and born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined and planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Look, God has planned for you and I to do good works. 
Like he has, he has got an idea in his head of what your life will look like if you'll just fully surrender to him. And can I tell you, his, his plan and his mind's eye for your life, it's full of good things for you to do, great experiences for you to have. Can I tell you this today, that the will of God is the most satisfying, pleasurable thing that you could ever walk in on the planet. It's not something that's going to make you afraid. It's not going to be something that leaves you dissatisfied. I remember, you know, growing up in church, it was kind of always anytime a missionary came to church, you were like, you'd sit on your hands because you were afraid that God might call you to be a missionary. And that automatically meant you had to go to Africa. I don't know why, but when you grew up in church, you know, if, if God's going to call you to be a missionary, just, you just assume Africa. And of course, you know, you're like, you don't want to go. That's far away. It's hot. It's dry. And you're like, no, I don't want to go to Africa. So you sit on your hands like, God, don't call me to Africa. But can I tell you something? If God calls you to go to Africa, you will never be happy until you're in Africa. Why? Because the will of God is for you to be happy and satisfied and displaying his virtues through your life. And until you get where his will for you is, you will be miserable. How do you know? I've been there. I've left a job that God told me, don't quit. And it was hell on earth. I've been a Jonah before and known that God was asking me to do things and said, I don't think I'd enjoy that. Can, you t- can I tell you the truth? I wished I wouldn't have rejected God because it was not fun when I rejected his counsel and when I rejected his will. Now, God has given us the green light. Let me, let me try to sum up these two, these two verses here. Look at how God describes the everyday life of the average believer. Now, I'm intentionally saying the everyday life of the average believer from these two verses. God's given us the green light to set forth his wonderful deeds and display his virtues. The everyday average life of the believer of God is supposed to be filled with doing good works that God has already prepared for them to do. It's living the good life he's already made ready for us. In other words, God is giving you the green light to the should I question. The should I question. You know, like, well, man, should I go buy that guy some lunch today? Oh, no, that's just the devil telling me to do that. The should I question. Man, should I I go check on my neighbors and see how they're doing? Because I just heard that, you know, a loved one passed away. Should, Should I go? No, that's probably not God telling me that. Are you kidding me? When is the devil ever going to tell you to go and do something that will bless someone free of charge? Never. But, well, I don't know if you do it. I've done it. Oh, Lord, I don't know if I should do that. Is it really you telling me to give $20 in that offering? 50. Oh, no, that was the devil for sure. Not 50. Listen, the devil's never going to tell you to give more. He's never going to tell you to do something that's going to bless us. It's not. It's God answering the should I question saying, green light. Go for it. Do it. See what happens. 
See if I won't be with you when you go and do something that will freely display my virtues to a lost and dying world. You got the green light to do something. Let me, let me give you... Let me, Here's a scary verse for you and I. It's one of those ones that's easy to kind of jump over when you come across it in the Bible. But James 4.17 says... Therefore, to one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is a bad idea. No. The Bible says that for the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, it's sin. Let that verse be a verse that helps us answer the should I question. Man, should I, should I help that person out? I know they bounce from job to job to job. I know they've asked me before for help with their money. And I know that I've got it right now that I could help them, but am I feeding the wrong thing in them? Or, you know, are they going to take it the wrong way? Or can I answer the should I question? Freely you have received Freely give. See, it's hard when we start thinking about how you really have to walk this out. Like, man, should I, should I let somebody borrow my vehicle? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, do it. It's a vehicle. It's a vehicle. Is it going to last for eternity? You know what I'm saying? Well, but Lord, if I invite that person to church, then I'm obligated to give them a ride too. Yeah. Hey, come to church with me. Here's the church van number. But you know what? God has actually given us the green light to do that good thing that's in your heart to do. Let me give you an example uh, out of Scripture here. Jonathan and his armor bearer in 1 Samuel chapter 14. This story is awesome. Boy, I love this. Talk about a picture of a green light mentality in in Jonathan. 1 Samuel 14, uh, beginning in verse 6. Jonathan said to the attendant who carried his weapons, Come on, let's go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised men. Perhaps, that tells me right there he wasn't clear on the will of God. Perhaps, The Lord will help us. Nothing can keep the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. His armor bearer responded, do what is in your heart. You choose. I'm right here with you, whatever you decide. All right, Jonathan replied. We'll cross over to the men and then let them see us. If they say, wait until we reach you, then we'll stay here where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, come on up, then we'll go up because the Lord has handed them over to us. That will be our sign. They let themselves be seen by the Philistine garrison. And the Philistines said, Look at the Hebrews. They're coming out of their holes where they've been hiding. And the... Your Bible doesn't say it like that? Okay. Where am I? Uh, where am I? I can't find it. I really can't see it. 
Verse 12. Where's the little 12? There they are. Okay, okay. Okay. The men of the garrison called to Jonathan and his armor bearer. Come on up. We'll de- That's probably how it more it was, right? We'll teach you a lesson, they said. Follow me, Jonathan told his armor bearer, for the Lord has handed them over to Israel. So Jonathan went up using hands and feet with his armor bearer behind him. Jonathan cut them down and his armor bearer followed and finished them off. In that first assault, Jonathan and his armor bearer struck down about 20 men in a half acre field. Man, don't you just love how Jonathan took the green light approach? Man, I'm not sure if God is saying, like, go kill him here or or kill him on this side. But, man, like, God doesn't want his name to be tarnished. God doesn't want Israel to be made a fool. These uncircumcised people are mocking God. Come on, let's go do something. God's given me a green light to bear his name. Come on, let's go. And his armor bearer says, man, do all that is in your heart. I'm with you. Man. I'm convinced that God has that same attitude with you and I. Man, go do what's in your heart to do for me. Go do it. I'm giving you a green light. What burns in your heart? Uh Uh-oh. What burns in your heart? What burns in your heart for the Lord? I think that really forces us to answer the question, what's in my heart? If you weren't limited by money, by education, by the possibility of failing, I mean, if I could give you a guarantee that you'd be fully funded, fully educated, and without fail to go and do something great for God, what burns in your heart to do? Because God is saying, you got a green light for that thing. You got a green light for that thing. How do we do that? How do we know what's in our heart? Let me give you, I think I got five things. I don't know. I lettered them. So A, B, I don't know. Starting with A. I should have done number one. <laughs> Starting with A. It's real simple. Ask God to reveal his will to your heart. Ask God to reveal his will to your heart. Matthew 21, 22 says, If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. So what that verse tells me, I mean, I've heard Brother Francis teach this to our interns. What that verse tells us is real simple. If you go and you say, Lord, I want your will for me. The Lord's response is, here you go. Whether you get the flea songs. I can use that here. I can't use that in Boise. And I'll be like. And like in Boise, I'll have to say, whether that puts eyes on your potatoes, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not there yet. I'll learn. Maybe I won't use that one either. Anybody got a pen? I'm going to put this right here. Like, don't say that. No, listen. It's not about a feeling. It's not about like, Lord, give me your will. And then the heavens opened up. Man. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you receive, and you will have it. Why would God not want to give you his will? God does not get a kick out of keeping his children in the dark. 
He does not enjoy saying, oh, look at him wandering around like ants who've had gasoline poured over their trail. They don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. Oh, this is hilarious. <laughs> like, no. No. Ask God for his will. You'll get his will. And then thank him that you've got it, regardless of how you feel. Begin to thank him and praise him. God, your will's in my heart. Your will burns in my heart. I'm not ignorant, God. I'm not out in the dark. I thank you. I've got your will. That your will for me is good. It's pleasing. It's perfect. It's awesome. God, thank you that I've got your will. Then after you pray and ask God for his will, letter B, pay attention to the longings of your heart. I am utterly convinced that God speaks to us through the longings of our heart. I'm telling you, the three years that I was not in ministry, the three years that I worked in the oil field and that I worked for DirecTV, I went through these seasons. They were really, really short where I thought, Lord, I don't have to, I don't have to work at a church. Man, I just, if I can just go to church and just, just be like the best, most faithful tither and shower upper at church, that's enough for me. And I tell you, that lasted about three weeks. For me. It lasts about three weeks. And I was just like, man, you know, God, this, I don't know. It's not quite enough. Like, maybe, God, if I could just teach a Sunday school or a Bible study, just, I mean, you, you put me in three years of Bible training and four years of youth pastoring. God, if you would just give me a little, just a little chance, like maybe once a month to teach a Bible study or something like that, like, that I could just give back to you, God, that would be enough. And he gave me that chance. And like, after the first time, I'm like, oh, man. You know, God, that, I don't know if that's enough. Like, I'm burning to do more for you. I'm burning to do more for you. In those three years that I was not in ministry, I'm telling you, it purified my heart's desires like nobody's business. It shook me to my core where I knew that I knew that I knew that, God, if you don't open the door to get me back into full-time ministry, God, I will, I will kill somebody because I'll be so miserable because my heart burns. To live my life for you. To spend my working abilities and energies like teaching the kingdom and and discipling people and witnessing and like, God, that's what I'm on the planet to do. That season solidified what was burning in my heart. Can I tell you, I'm so thankful I paid attention to what burned in my heart. We need to pay attention to what burns in our hearts. He speaks to us through the longing of our hearts. He's already placed, listen to Psalm 37.4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I don't want you to read it like this, like, delight myself in the Lord and God will give me what I want. Read it like this. If I grow close to the Lord and just delight myself in being intimate with him, he will put the desires that I should have inside of my heart. It's like, it's like this. It's like this, okay? There was a, a, a priest and a rabbi and a little boy. They were out golfing and the little boy was like the caddy, okay? 
And they had this incredible, incredible, incredible golf game. I mean, they just the best golf game they'd ever golfed in their lives. And at the end of the, at the, end of the day, at the, at the, after, the, after the 18th hole, the priest says, man, we should just give God an offering for how awesome our golf games were today. And the rabbi's like, I agree. And the priest said, here's what we'll do. We'll draw a circle on the green. We'll take our money. We'll throw it up in the air. And whatever lands in the circle, we'll give to God. Whatever lands outside of the circle, we'll keep. That'll be our offering. And the rabbi says, no, 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 I don't think so. I think here's what we'll do for an offering. We'll draw a circle. We'll throw all of our money up in the air. Whatever falls inside the circle, we'll keep. Whatever falls outside of the circle will be our offering. And they debated back and forth. No, 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 no. And this little boy who was the caddy said, hey, I got an idea. Why don't you just take all of your money in your hands, throw it up as high as you can, and whatever God wants, he keeps. Listen, when you go into your prayer closet, throw every desire in your heart up as high as you can to God. Whatever he doesn't want you to have, he'll keep. Whatever falls back down in your heart and continues to burn, that's what he's given you the green light to pursue. That's what he's given you the green light to do because it's burning in your heart. It's his will for you. All right, so letter, letter C would be this. Step out in faith. Step out in faith. Can I tell you, the majority of the time, you're not going to have like the outcome already revealed to you by the Lord. It's still a walk of faith to step out and go after those things that your heart burns for. Hebrews 11.1 says, Faith is the substance of things that hope for and the evidence of things not seen. And one translation says that faith is perceiving as real fact what's not revealed to the senses. It means like you won't, you might not have those tingles. You might not have a vision of this person like just coming to their knees and, yes, what must I do to be saved? Like you might not see that beforehand. And that's okay. Just step out and go love on that person and tell them about Jesus and leave the results up to God. That's a good word. Let me give you an example of some people who did that in Scripture. I got any parents in the house? Raise your hand if you're a parent. Can you imagine doing this? An example. Think about Moses' mom and dad. They're slaves in Egypt. There's a command that if any Hebrews give birth to sons, they're supposed to be killed. And Moses' mom and dad have a son. And look at what Exodus says in Exodus, Exodus chapter 2, verse 2 and 3. It says, The woman became pregnant and bore a son. When she saw that he was exceedingly beautiful, she hid him three months. When she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark or a basket made of bulrushes and papyrus. She made it watertight by daubing it with bitumen and pitch. And then she put the child in it and laid it among the rushes by the brink of the river Nile. Like Moses' parents, when they had this child, something inside of their hearts said, look at this child. The law says we're supposed to kill him, but something inside of my heart tells me this son is destined for greatness. Like the beauty on his face, that's not just like a natural, that's, I'm not just like a mom saying my baby's the most beautiful baby on the planet. Like, look, man, something in my heart is burning saying this son is supposed to live. And in faith, 
saying, God, I can't take care, I can't protect this child anymore, but something inside of my heart burns. It's telling me that he's supposed to live. All I know how to do is to step out and put him in a little basket, and God, now he's in your hands. Can you imagine doing that as a parent? It blows my mind, but it, it gives us this powerful truth. Faith isn't faith until you act on it. It's not faith until we act on it. So can I encourage you? God is giving you the green light to step out in faith. What could you step out and attempt this week in your own home? What could you step out in faith this week and, 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 and try to attempt with your neighbor? How could you step out in faith this week at work? How could you step out in faith and try to do something for the Lord while you're just sitting around playing on your phone while your kid's at dance practice or baseball practice? What could you step out and do while you're surrounded by other parents who need to know the Lord? What could you do? How could you step out in faith and just leave the results in the hands of God? I'm telling you, the things that burn in your heart, they're meant to be done through you in your circle of influence. Listen, (laughs) don't come to me And ask me to do what burns in your heart. Because it's not meant for me to do. It's meant for you to do if it burns in your heart. Don't come to Pastor Todd. I'm going to do Pastor Todd a favor here. If you don't like it, I'm gone in two months. But don't come to Pastor Todd and say, Pastor Todd, well, I just think the church needs to do this. And if you would just do that, and, and if you would help me and give me some money and give me support, if you would print my papers for me. No, 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 no. Don't, don't even look. Don't let your first thought of how can I do this within the four walls of the church. The majority of the lost people aren't within these four walls. The majority of the people who need what your heart burns for are out in your world where you meet them and interact with them every single day. So don't come to me with what burns in your heart. Say, God, just help me start stepping out in faith. To do what's burning in my heart. Second thing is this though, okay? Look, don't be offended when someone's heart doesn't burn for the things your heart burns for. Don't be offended. You know, it's like, man, there's, you, you ever meet Christians like, oh, worship should have been an hour and a half. And you're like, are you kidding me? You know how tired my legs get after 45 minutes? Like, I thought it was spot on. Like, look, we're all wired differently, right? We're all wired differently. Don't be offended if someone's heart doesn't burn for the same things your heart burns for. Look, I've been guilty of like going to somebody, oh man, I just think we should do this. this, And and, and can you imagine, can you see this happening? And people are like, oh man, I ain't helping you with that. Like, oh man. Look, don't be offended by that, okay? And, 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 Which leads me to my last point. Don't be offended when God says red light. Don't be offended when God says red light. We won't get it right every single time. I mean, show me the person that went from taking their training wheels off the bike to beating Lance Armstrong in the Tour de France. It doesn't happen like that. 
Remember earlier, the Apostle Peter, the Apostle Peter, even grew in the going. Right? So don't, don't be offended when God gives you a red light. Listen, a red light from God, it's not a mark against your character. A red light from God is not a judgment concerning your ability. And can I tell you something? A red light, if you hear God saying red light, it's not even proof that you are outside of the will of God. Scripture shows us this. Acts chapter 16. Paul took a missionary trip with some buddies. And listen to what happened on their trip. Acts 16 verse 1. Paul and Silas went first to Derbe and then on to Lystra. There they met Timothy. Skipping on down a little bit. It says that Paul and Silas and Timothy went from town to town explaining the decision regarding the commandments that were to be obeyed as decided by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and they grew daily in numbers. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had told them not to go into the province of Asia at that time. Then, coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed for the province of Bithynia, But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not let them go. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the city of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. And he saw a man from Macedonia in northern Greece pleading with him, Come over here and help us. So we decided to leave from Macedonia at once, for we could only conclude that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Look at this, man. Paul and Silas and Timothy, they're out spreading the gospel, strengthening the churches, like... That's a godly desire, wouldn't you say? They're out there with a green light to go and they're doing amazing things for the Lord. Yet twice in this passage of Scripture, God gives them a red light. No, I don't want you there. Now, look at the attitude that they had. Notice they didn't throw in the towel and say, well, fine, God, I'm just not going to strengthen any church. Did they do that? Did they say, well... You don't want us to go there? Fine. Like, where do you want to go? Ha. Well, I don't want to go there. You know, I mean, like, they didn't get this attitude with the Lord when God gave them two red lights. And they didn't allow it to stop their momentum either. They didn't say, I must be doing something wrong. Maybe I didn't hear God right. Maybe the passions in my heart are wrong. No, 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 no. They just said, okay, well, look. We'll continue to do what burns in our hearts and we'll just test these waters and we'll test those waters and we'll test those waters. If that border's closed, maybe this one's open. Oh, that one's closed. Maybe we'll just head this way and then heading this way. Then all of a sudden the revelation came. No, I want you to go into Macedonia. They weren't offended by God's red light. You know what? You and I can't be offended when God says red light to us. We can't. Man, I don't have time to tell you about David. You read about the stuff that King David did. He took liberties that weren't his to take in the way that he worshipped God and served God. The only time God gave him a red light was when he wanted to build the temple. God said, no, you're a man of of blood. I can't have you build the temple. But David didn't even let that red light destroy his momentum. He said, I can't build the temple. Hey, at least I can fund the temple. And he poured all of his energies in still being able to make that thing that burned in his heart, he poured his energies into being able to make that happen for the next guy down the line. Powerful, powerful response to the red light from God. So so God has given us the green light to go. 
quit asking yourself, is that person at work the person I'm supposed to witness to? Yes, it is. Quit trying to figure out which neighbor on the side of your driveway is the one you're supposed to reach. It's both. It's both and. And God has given us the green light to do the things that burn in our heart for him. You know, Proverbs 11.30 says this, He who wins souls is wise. Do you know why it's wise to win souls? Because just as God has put desires in your heart, he's put desires in the heart of every person on this planet. And we would be wise to win them to Christ and to open up their heart to the things that burn in their heart for God. Because you know what? I don't have every good idea. I don't have every good sermon to preach. I don't have every great idea on an outreach that can reach souls. I don't have it. But you know what? I believe it's trapped in the hearts of men and women who've yet to come to Christ. I believe some of the greatest preachers and pastors and evangelists and apostles and prophets and teachers on the planet have yet to be one to the Lord. But there are ideas, there are songs that need to be written And the creativity that needs to be unlocked, it's out there in the hearts of people that need to know that God has given them desires. So we have a green light to go and we have a green light to do. My question is, will we run as hard as and fast as we can when God says green light? Would you stand with me? And I just want to ask for a couple more minutes of your attention. I ended with a verse, Proverbs 11.30. It says, he who wins souls is wise. I said they're wise because God has put things inside of every single person that he wants to bring out. But the thing is this. Until they have a relationship with Jesus Christ, until they've repented of their sins and they, they, they are now right with God, they'll never be able to tap into those things that God has for them. They'll never be able to tap into his good, pleasing, and perfect will for their lives. What does it mean to be saved? What does it mean to be right with God? What does it mean to be saved? It means this. You recognize that you have done things in your life that have broken God's heart. The Bible calls that sin. The Bible is also really clear that sin will separate us from God. We'd read a verse that says, if you know the good you ought to do and do not do it, it's sin. I guarantee you every single one of us could raise our hand on that. There have been times where we've missed it. And what it means to be saved is that you come to Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. And you say, Jesus, I acknowledge that you're the only one that can forgive sins. You're the only one who lived a sinless life and died in my place. And I'm asking you to forgive me. And I'm asking that you would exchange this life that I'm living under my own control. Would you exchange it for a life that's now controlled by you and led and directed by you? I want to enter into a relationship with you today. Is there anyone, I would just want to ask, is there anyone here today that just by raising your hand you'd say, I want to start a relationship with God today? Let me see your hand. I see your hands back there. Any other hands? 
You want to start a relationship with God? I see your hand, ma'am. Anyone else? Okay. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you that rose your, raised your hands, and I also want to pray for everyone here today because, listen, I feel it in my spirit. God is challenging us. Someone in here, you needed to hear. You've got a green light to go and do what your heart is passionate about doing for the Lord. You have God's permission. You have our permission. We can't do it all. The pastoral staff can't do it all. That's why God's given you the green light, and you need to know that today. So let me pray for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed, let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I pray that today, I pray that today you would awaken our hearts to the things that you desire us to do for you, God. Awaken our passions. Awaken the longings of our heart, the things that burn in our heart for you and for your kingdom. Father, open up our eyes to see what those things are. And then, Father, help us to realize you have given us the green light to do that. We've got the green light to do that. In fact, I'm going to ask everyone to pray this prayer with me. Would you pray this prayer? Say, Lord Jesus, today I commit my life to you. I'm asking once again that you would forgive me of my sins. Make me right with you, Jesus. Give me a fresh start in this relationship with you. And open up my heart to be passionate for the things that I should do, the the places I need to go, and the people that I need to reach. Jesus, today, I receive your passions, and your desires for my life in Christ. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, can we give the Lord a a clap offering today? He's worthy. Amen. He's worthy. He's worthy.